Hi, this is Eli Nelson, and this is the My City Church Podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. It is our prayer that this message will awaken you to come alive in the things of Christ. Enjoy the message. Fantastic. All right. Um, you, can, you can actually be seated. We're going to, we've been diving in to uh, hack your finances for the last two weeks. How many of y'all enjoyed the series so far? Like, show of hands, like, it's been a fantastic series so far. You have uh, the opportunity to have a free course that is given to you by, uh, you keep, keep playing, Reeve. We're going to keep playing. I'll pray and then we'll be good. By the amazing past, uh, Clyde and Rachel Stackhouse. They have developed a professional course. And as a church, we have chosen to, to partner with them and to provide it to free for My City Church. Because how many of y'all know if you want to see something different, you got to do something different. And so for many people, it's, I want to see an improvement in my finances or anything of that sort. Well, guess what? You got to learn. You got to grow in the things of God. And so I'm super thankful for Clyde and Rachel who have uh, developed this course. And if you guys just for a moment, if you could stand up just, just for a moment. Can we put our hands together for them real quick? And come on, so proud of you guys. And Clyde, you just put your, put your arm around your wife. I want to pray for you guys. And and uh, let's just stretch your hands towards him right now. Clyde, I was, I was praying backstage, and I firmly believe that this is not going to just touch this church, because this is going to touch hundreds of churches. This is going to touch this nation, because you have been diligent. I hear the Lord saying, it's coming. I see, I see overflow coming. I see, I see favor coming. I see doors opening for you guys in Jesus' name. You've been faithful stewards. Don't procrastinate on some of the things. God's saying, he's saying, you got to get to work because it's going to come too fast. You got to get to work. Just keep getting to work and, and watch how the Lord's going to bless you guys as you go. Would you lift your hands up this morning? Let's pray for you. For um, Heavenly Father, we thank you for faithful, obedient followers of Christ in Clyde and Rachel. Lord, we pray that your hand of blessing would be upon them. Their marriage, your protection would be over their children, over little Liam and Peyton. God, we pray that you'd protect them, protect them in their coming and their going. God, I pray that you'd give them favor with businesses, with kings, with politicians, God, with, with churches, pastors, and everything in between, Lord. As this continues to bless your church, God, I thank you that this is a seed getting planted into your church, that we are called to be blessed, to be a blessing, to be the head and not the tail, Lord. I thank you for faithful stewards. I thank you for uh, obedient followers of Christ. So let it come, Lord. Reign in season upon your servants. Blessing upon them in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Keep playing, keep playing. Uh, hey, yeah, put our hands together one more time. for. So thankful for you guys. We're, we're making this available to you for free. So you can use a QR code. Uh, it's a free course, free professionally built course for you to have faith-filled finances in the name of Jesus. If you can't use the QR code, be sure to stop by the Connect Corner directly after service. We'll give you an opportunity to be able to get signed up in there. The first week, we talked about a biblical mindset. I mean, I remember that first week, biblical mindset. Last week, we talked about biblical stewardship. And this week, uh, we are going to be talking in our third installment, the third wheel, because we talked about two wheels, and you could drive a motorcycle, that's fine. But uh, we're putting the third wheel on our four-wheel car. So first two wheels, biblical mindset, biblical stewardship. And write this down today, the title of today's message, we're talking about biblical overflow. Biblical overflow. And if you like to have a little bit of fun with, with sermons, as I do, uh, this message is also called Cheez-Its and Tea Parties. Cheez-Its and tea parties. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. God, we pray that you'd, you'd speak through me just as you revealed this to me. God, I pray for any mindsets that we've had that 
have been limiting you and you wanting to biblically overflow in us. God, we repent from that. Help us to know what your view is when it comes to overflow, what your view is when it comes to finances. We pray for extraordinary blessing upon your people, upon your church. And right now, church, if you're hungry for the word of God, would you open up your hands and say these words after me? Say, Lord, speak to me. I'm listening. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's put our hands together for Jesus this morning. Hey, come on. It's a fantastic day. If you have your Bible, Bible's open up to 2 Corinthians. How many real Bibles we got in the house? Let me see, like, lift it up. How many digital Bibles do we got? Love the real Bibles. Bring your Bible to church. Bring your Bible to school. Bring your Bible. Put your Bible in your car. Just don't leave it in your car and forget about it and then let it collect us. Open your Bibles. We're primarily going to be out of 2 Corinthians chapter 9, but I'm setting a precipice today on what it means to live with biblical overflow. And uh, I'll be jumping around. We got several scriptures today, but primarily we're talking out of 2 Corinthians Nine. The first passage I want to share with you is actually out of Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10 is a story of a man named Cornelius. He is a centurion in the Roman army. He's a very powerful uh, soldier, uh, but he's not a Jew. He's a Gentile. He's not a man that is called to inherit the promise of God initially, but God was showing to Peter that God wanted to give his blessing upon all people, not just the Jews. And Peter responded to Cornelius via a vision that he had uh, to go reach him, go talk to him. And so he went over to his house and he said these words in Acts 10, verse 34. Then Peter began to speak. He said, I now realize, say, I now realize there's a power in revelation. Do not always believe what you have experienced. Believe what the word of God has said. A lot of people are basing their theology on what they've experienced, on what this person says or what that person says. We cannot base our theology, especially around money, based off of what other people said. We have to base it off what the word of God has said. Can I get an amen? Amen. Can I get it? All right. All right. So I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation, say every nation, the one who fears him and does what is right. God is looking for people that are willing and obedient. He accepts from every nation. He has no favoritism. Can I tell you that as God looks to bless his people, he lays out steps. And those steps, if he's laid it out for one person, you also can take those steps and walk in the promises that God has for you. Do you believe that? Steps are repeatable. What God does for one, can I tell you, he can and will do for anyone. God shows no favoritism. Why? Because God is a God of covenant. Say covenant. He's a covenant God. He doesn't show favoritism. It doesn't matter if, you're edu- if you have the right education, relation, uh, a racial background, pedigree, upbringing, wealth, or no wealth. No, God is a God of covenant. He doesn't show favoritism. Well, that works for them because they grew up in here, and they grew up in there, and this, is, this, is, was, their, uh, this was their education. God does not show favoritism. Paul is saying that he, he, he's, he accepts from every nation those who fear him and does what is right. Isaiah 119 says, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the best of the land. Now, I don't know about you, but what is the best kind of food? Shout out some food here today. What, what's the best kind of food to eat? I, I, heard, I heard chopsticks. Was that lobster? We got turkey. Okay, maybe not. All right, turkey. We got like mashed potatoes. Okay, true. Okay, fair enough. Uh, okay, I'm a big fan of a tomahawk ribeye. Where are my tomahawk ribeye fans in here, right? And lobster tail. Like the, what is it called? Like the, the surf and turf? Yeah, I want some turf, surf and turf in the house today. Like, okay, God is saying that if you're willing and obedient, you'll inherit the best of the land. Now, in the United States, 
I, I don't think, consider caviar the best of the land. But maybe in like Russia it is, or, or Europe it might be. But here in the United States, especially in Nebraska, it's a good steak. Do I get, do I get yeses and agreements here, right? Like, it's a great steak. So this is a promise that God has towards people that are what? Willing and obedient. He does not show favoritism. There is promises and there are blessings that God wants to bestow upon his people that are willing and obedient. God cares about obedience and one's motivation to that obedience. All right, so what are these blessings that God has? Proverbs 10, 22. One is that the blessing of the Lord will make one rich, and he has no sorrow to it. Now, that word rich in the Hebrew means rich. That's why they translated it that way. Because it means rich. And now if we grew up in this Midwestern culture in the United States, there's been a lot of things talking about the prosperity gospel. And they've been speaking against the prosperity gospel. Or they've been speaking heavily on the prosperity gospel. But I don't know about you. I know who my father is. And I know he looks out for his children. And I always know he's called me to be a blessing. How can I be a blessing if I don't have $100 in my pocket to give to someone? Who needs $100? All right, I saw your hand right up there. Come up. Glasses, hair. Blonde hair, come up. Yeah, this is, this is your money here. Here, Hannah, you, this is yours. You do with it. This is, this is yours. This is out of my pocket. This isn't the church's. That's, this is just yours. God's blessed me. God has extraordinarily blessed me. And he's blessed me to be able to bless people. Now, I don't know if you subscribe to the poverty gospel, but I can't do that if I'm in poverty. I can't give a sandwich to someone on the side of the road if I barely have enough to get by for myself. Say, God has blessed me. He's blessed you to be a blessing. He's not withholding. He's saying, I'm looking for someone to flow financially through. It says, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. All right, so I'm teaching you a kingdom principle today. Kingdom principles that God says, if you're willing and obedient, you'll inherit the best of the land. I need you to know today that God wants to bless you. Say it so that your spirit says, God wants to bless me. God wants to bless you. He actually wants you to abound in good works. Okay, so let's go to 2 Corinthians 9. I'm I'm teaching you what the Bible says. Again, I'm not saying this. Well, pastors may be going off the prosperity. Okay, I'm preaching Bible. I'm teaching Bible. I have more scripture than I do notes here today. So 2 Corinthians 9 says, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. So either Paul's lying which I know he's not, or many of us may have a wrong theology when it comes to giving and living generously. He says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. This was Pastor Clyde's message on on giving today. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able, say God is able, to bless you abundantly, say abundantly, not just to get by. He says, so that you can, at all, to- all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Not just, well, you might be able to do a good work. Imagine if you could see a need and you could actually meet the need. What if you stopped looking at who could bless you and you started looking at who you could bless? I said a few weeks ago, I used to not carry cash in my wallet. And then I found someone that took Venmo. And I gave it to them Venmo. And God's like, carry cash again. And I'm like, all right. So that's why I have cash Because God will say, hey, I want you to give some money away to some people. Hey, I want you to be a blessing to someone, right? Because it's not mine, it's his. If I'm holding on to it, guess who owns it? Not me, or not him, but me. And if it's in my hands, I can't multiply it like he can. 
right? So I live with open hands. Here at the church, we live with open hands. What we have is not our own, right? So we believe that God wants to cause, cause us to abound in every good work. Verse 9, as it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteous endures, righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Paul's not talking about um, agriculture. He is talking specifically about finances. And if you don't believe that God wants to say, hey, as you sow, guess what? It is coming back. It is coming back to you. It's a kingdom principle. Now God cares about your motivation. He cares about your obedience in all of that, but Paul is laying a foundation, a kingdom principle, as God provides seed for the sower and bread for food and will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous, you see it, on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Paul is not describing an abstract belief system. He is describing biblical overflow. You need to know this today that if you look for who to bless, you will not have to think or worry about who is going to bless you. Not looking at who will bless me, but actually, who can I bless? Because now I've realized that I have been blessed as a child of God and a kingdom principle. It is impossible to sow generously and not reap generously. Paul's referring to money as seed. I know it's called a currency. That's because you're called to get it into the current and put it to use. You do not save yourself to wealth. You do not save yourself. You're actually called to sow it. You're called not to hoard it, but to sow it. He's referring to money as seed. Okay, this is how, this is how money is as seed. We opened up with Acts chapter 10. Remember, Paul said, I, know, I see that God accepts from every nation those who fear him and does what is right. This is a man. His name is Cornelius. Acts 10 chapter 4. Pull it up. We have Cornelius stared at him in fear. What happened? An angel showed up to him. An angel showed up to him because Cornelius feared God and he gave gifts to those that were in need. And God, the angel says to him, he, he looks at him in fear and says, what is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. So this is a Gentile. He's a soldier, like he's like a tough dude, and he still fears God because real men in here know what it means to actually fear and honor and have reverence towards the Lord, right? He honors the Lord, and the angel slips this in there. Yeah, and your gifts to the poor. You have been living generously. The angel came in response not to just only his prayers, but also to his generosity, because the seed that he sowed, God repaid with what he really needed. God blessed him beyond what he ever could have asked for. He says it comes up as a memorial offering before God. No one saw what he did. But I can tell you today that man does not keep the score. God keeps the score. And God sees what you do when no one else does. Galatians 6-7 says, God will not be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Jesus sees. Jesus sees what is being sown. He's at the temple, and he sees all these rich people pouring in these gifts, and then he sees one person put in two mites, one widow woman. She puts in two coins, two pennies, and that's what moved the heart of God. 
That's what stirred in him. Can I tell you that God doesn't receive all offerings? He didn't receive Cain's offering. God, I did it. I'm supposed to tie. What does Paul say? Not reluctantly or under compulsion. You want to see blessing in your return and, and a, a bountiful harvest? God receives pure offerings. He didn't receive Cain's offering. He didn't receive Ananias and Sapphira's offering. God does not receive every offering. Some of us are giving to dead soil and expecting a live return. But God is saying, okay, what is really returning? Well, I know this ministry was just, it was a part of something, you know, 20 years ago, and, and, and it's not doing anything now, and actually it's probably a secular ministry now. It's been hijacked by wokeness, and they're not doing eternal seeds anymore. And God's saying, you're not going to see an eternal re reward from that. I'm going to reject that offering. One, it was done out of a weird heart. It was done out of a heart that was just seeking, well, I just want to give to this organization because I feel obligated to. God will reject that. He'll reject that. And you will not see the reward like you expect it. All right, so I say God keeps the score, right? Jesus is sitting at the temple. People will not know what you gave, but God does. Very rarely will people know what you gave, but know that God will not be mocked. God will not be mocked. And if he's not going to be mocked, how are you sowing before him? Are you sowing sparingly, expecting a bountiful return? What is it for you? What, what kind of like hurts for you to give? Like I, I gave, I, I, 10 years ago, I would have probably given $10 away. I never would have been open to giving a $100 bill away. No, 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 no. But I found that as I've done so, God has extraordinarily opened up my ability to bless other people. Right? And so every once in a while in your heart, you do have to do something like, okay, is this really like a stretch? Is it a poor, pitiful offering to the Lord? Yeah, this is just what I'm supposed to do. Or is it a heart of reverence, willing and obedient before the Lord? It's like a pure heart, joyfully wanting to be able to give to the Lord. I know many people that say, I want to be able to give once I'm dead. You know, once I'm dead, I'm going to store this stuff off to the side and, and you know, I'm going to be able to give to the church. It's written into to my will to be able to give to the church. Okay, so you want to actually see the kingdom of God advance when you're dead. Why not get it into the current while you're alive? Why not sow it while you're alive and you're actually called to get a return? You will get a return, not even necessarily this side of heaven, maybe even this side of heaven. I'll share a story with you about the end about a man who, who did that. Deuteronomy 15.6 says that we will lend and not borrow. It says that again in Deuteronomy 28.12. We will lend and not borrow. You want to know the number one thing to understand when it comes to biblical overflow? Write this down. you got to believe that there is a God. Okay, his name is El Shaddai. El Shaddai, God Almighty. God, the all-sufficient one. He has more than enough. The Bible says he has the cattle on a thousand hills. That's Psalm 50, verse 10, that every beast of the forest is his. Believe that there is a God and also that you are his child. That's in Galatians 3, that we are the children of God in Christ. So we believe that there is a God, El Shaddai, all sufficient. He has more than enough. I need you to understand this today. God has more than enough. So if you're looking at what you have, it is minuscule compared to what he has. He's got streets of gold, people. Money is a number to him. People are losing billions upon billions and making billions and billions every moment of every day. 
and you're looking at, man, I just don't know. I can't really let go of this. I, I just, God's name is El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one, more than enough. He has more than you need. So what? We don't trust in government for our need. We don't know, trust in government for our provision. We don't trust in our job for our provision. We don't trust in our ability for our provision. We don't trust in man. We trust in God, and his name is El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one. He has more than you could ever ask, think, or imagine. He has it. So we don't trust in that. We trust in God. We trust in God. All right, so what do you trust in? Jeremiah 17, 5 says, this is what the Lord says. Curses the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wasteland. They will not see prosperity when it comes because they continue to trust in man. I'm in need. I need this. I need that. Who do you trust in? Who do you trust in when it comes to sowing your seed? God, I'm going to sow this. I just don't really know if I can really do this. Like, I trust in God. And if God's asking me to give it away, then my answer is yes and amen because I trust in God. There's a level of revelation that I'm bestowing upon this church, and I'm calling this church to grab a hold of today, right? That we are going to exponentially increase in our level of generosity in this city, right? To actually believe the fact that we will lend and not borrow. Why well, trust in the banks? No, you don't. I'm not going to be able to get a house. Who do you trust in? You got to be a wise steward. That's why we say biblical mindset, biblical stewardship. And as you are doing those two things, God says, hey, you've been faithful with little. That's a biblical principle. Many of us are asking God to bless us financially. You need to stop doing that. You need to start saying, God, help me to be a good steward of what you've given me. Because if the Bible is true, which it is, as I am a good steward, the kingdom principle is, you are faithful with little, you'll be faithful with much. So some of us have had millions of dollars flow through our hands. And God continues to keep having it come through our hands. And he says, hey, are you going to steward this properly? Because I'm trying to level you up. And soon it's going to be tens of millions of dollars coming through your hands. And hundreds of millions of dollars coming through your hands. Do you, can you even grasp the idea of what you would do with a million dollars in your bank account? Of what you would do with $10 million in your bank account? Could you even grasp the idea of giving $200,000 this year? $100,000 this year to see the kingdom of God advance? $10,000 this year? I never thought there would be a day where we give what we give. Right? Even coming as being a pastor, we found out that we've given more as being pastors than we did before we were pastors. Like, to be able to open up your eyes to see, I don't know how I'm going to do it. But now, I see, initially, when I'm writing the check, I'm like, God, I don't know how this is going to work. And now I'm looking in hindsight, God, thank you for helping me to be obedient and willing. Because I've seen just the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. All right, so we continue in that. I know you just took it down. I apologize. Keep it back up. It says, they will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. But blessed, say blessed, is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to produce fruit. It doesn't care if we're talking about a recession. I'm saying there is a time for the church 
and a great transfer of wealth that God is taking from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And this is the time and the season. The time is now, and God's looking for biblical stewards to be able to carry that. Why should the devil have all the money? Why do we look at money as evil? It's not. It's a tool. And Christians are so afraid to handle it because we don't know how to steward it. But I'm saying that in this house, we're going to know how to steward wealth of biblical proportions. I'm saying that you are going to make hundreds of thousands of dollars, millions of dollars, tens of millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars, even possibly billions of dollars. That is all possible. As I want to increase your mind today, like to be able to see like, man, wealth is a money is nothing to God. He's just looking, who can I get it through? Who, who can I, who can I advance my kingdom through? Who can I trust with it? And if you're faithful with little, right? God, I pray that there's a day where Kelly and I are able to write a million dollar check. I'm believing it, right? I never thought we could write what we wrote, but I'm believing that we're going to be able to get to the day where we're able to, even as a church, to be able to sow generously in this city and around the world. Okay, so you can trust God. Trust God with your health. Trust God with your wealth. He's your provider. He's your healer. Jesus is a great physician. And if I'm going to trust God, I'm going to trust him with all that I got. If I want a great harvest, guess what? I can't sow sparingly. I got to be a person. If I want to see biblical overflow, I got to sow biblically in proportion to the overflow that I want to see. All right, so 2 Corinthians 8, we remember we're talking about 2 Corinthians 9. 2 Corinthians 8, this is right before Paul talks about the seed sowed sparingly, reaped sparingly. He says, now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the church in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor, but they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. So how can they be poor, but then overflow in rich generosity? For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. I'm telling this church, we do not give what we can afford. Paul's saying to give far more than what you can afford. Because he's trying to teach a biblical principle of sowing sparingly, reaping sparingly. Sowing generously, reaping generously. And they did it of their own free will. Like you want to be, yeah, it is. A, like, man, I want to be able to give to the kingdom of God. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift of the believers in Jerusalem because they understood the theological principle, the biblical principle of overflow. You know, they were giving. They're like, man, we're in need, but as we've given more, like, we've never been in need. And so now we're seeing how it works. They're at the beginning stages of generosity. I've seen how it works, so I'm going to continue to give more and more and watch how the Lord continues to provide, not even just for my needs, but so that I can also be a blessing to other people. They did more than what we had hoped for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us just as God wanted them to do. So we have urged Titus, who encouraged your giving in the first place, to return to you and encourage you to finish this ministry of giving. Since you excel in so many ways, in your faith, in your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us. I want you to excel also in the grace of giving. That's why we have Stuff the Truck, to give over $12,000 of toys to kids in, in need this year. We partner with schools. We partner with children of parents of incarcerated inmates. 
Jesus said, if you visit me in prison, you did it for me. Okay, well, there may become a time where we visit people in prison and pray with them, but what we can do for sure right now is provide kids for, for provide presents for the kids whose parents are in prison. It's very biblical, right? That was a double of what we did two years ago, right? And I'm expecting us to be able to give over $14,000 of toys to kids this year. And if God's willing, like, I believe that God wants us to give even more than that, 16000 18000 right? And to continue to increase our storehouse so that we can abound in every good work. Because there's always going to be need, and there's always going to be something to sow into. And I believe this is something that us as a church are called to sow into. Kelly and I have continually sowed. We're always sowing into the house of God. This is how we've lived, because we're devoted to the house of God. First Chronicles 29, this is King David. He says, and now because of my devotion to the temple of my God, I am giving all my private treasures of gold and silver to help in the construction. This is an addition to the building materials I have already collected for his holy temple. I am donating more than 112 tons of gold from a fur and 262 tons of refined silver to be used for overlaying the walls of the building and for the other gold and silver work to be done by the craftsmen. Now then, who will follow my example and give offerings to the Lord today? You know how much gold that was that David gave personally? $7.5 billion that he gave personally to the Lord. And then he says, okay, who's going to follow my example, right? Who's going to follow my example he says it was because of his devotion to the Lord. His devotion to the Lord was for the house of God. And he was able to see the Lord's presence fall upon Israel because of his devotion. Right? So, so Kelly and I, we, we continue to give to this church. I never would have thought that in a year's time we could give over $100,000 on a pastor's salary. Never thought it would be possible. But we made that commitment. And we're going to be fulfilling it this month. We only have $10,000 more to go. Like that's, that's, that's to God's grace and his goodness. But that was a response to his request. And I want to implore you as a follower of Christ. When God asked for it, I didn't know how we'd get by this year. But here we are at the end of the year having more than enough. I'm like, God, we're just not going to be able to get Christmas presents for people this year. But here we are able to give more than enough. And I want to encourage you that if God is asking it from you, it's for a reason. Because he's looking to get something to you. I am believing and expecting as I've sown generously to be able to receive generously. I want you also to understand biblical overflow is knowing whatever God has given me and trusted me with, if he asks for it in a moment, my answer is to say yes and Amen. God, whatever you need, I'm believing for a million-dollar harvest with that gift. That's what we're going to be talking about next week. We're going to talk about the faith in giving. Some of us just give out of obedience, but you don't ever pray into your giving. You don't ever pray in expecting for your giving. I want to be able to give you some biblical principles on what it means to be able to have a prayerful life in the seeds that you've sown. No person just throws a seed into the ground, covers it with dirt, and expects they, for it to come up. No, they go back and they water it. And I believe you're also, all right, I'm getting a little bit too far ahead of myself. All right, all right, J.D. Rockefeller, one of the richest men in the history. He's the first millionaire in the United States at the age of 33. He was the first billionaire in the United States as well. He almost died in the early 1900s 
in his 50s. And he was on his deathbed. He was only eating crackers and water. And God showed up to him in a vision. He was a Christian, follower of Christ. And God showed up. He says, I've given you this wealth to get it through you. It's not going to serve you any purpose in heaven or in hell. So why don't you do the best what you can with it right now? The next morning he woke up and he started the Rockefeller Foundation. He was on his deathbed. The news agencies and the newspapers wrote his obituary, already had it typed up because he was about to die. And the moment that he started that, his health turned around and he lived another 40 years. And I believe that that was unlocked because he realized that this isn't just for me. He started the, the, the Rockefeller Foundation that day. And we've seen him start. There was hospitals that were started that helped solve various diseases. Hopkins universities, all sorts of different things were started through this foundation because of a man's generosity he gave to a church. His pastor said this, and this was a convicting word when he went to God and God gave him this vision. It says, God gave you wealth to get it through you. Are you always asking him how you can give? So I got an illustration here to show just this idea of, of biblical wealth, and, and then we're going to close, and we're going to pray for people because we are running out of time today, but it's good. So it's just really short illustration. The other day, not the other day, Eva was one and a half years old. We're sitting there, and we're watching this movie called Sing. You know, she called it Piggy, and we're sitting there watching and she just comes up to me. I'm sitting there on the couch. I didn't know, but she went. She walked away, and she just walks up with this tea glass. She goes, Papa, tea? Tea? She's one and a half years old. I'm like, yeah, we'll do a tea party. So I bring her over here, and I kind of I sit her down right here, and she's sitting there, and I kind of grab my tea here, and, and we're kind of just enjoying our, our little tea party, you know, daddy-daughter daddy time, right? So just kind of sipping away. And I'm like, you know what? What good is tea without a snack? So I walked over to the cabinet. I grab some Cheez-Its, and I'm like, all right, sweetie, you can have, you know, it's like 7.30 at night. I'm like, you can have some, you can have some Cheez-Its there. And, and she started eating them. You know, we're just kind of eating, you know, having a little tea time and, you know, continue eating the Cheez-Its. And then she got down to her last two Cheez-Its. And I don't know what it was. I just kind of asked her, I said, Eva, Eva, can I have one of those? And I wish you could have seen what was the wrestling that was going on in her heart. She looked at him. She went, I only have two. Well, I gave her like 10. And I didn't even want the Cheez-It. Because I had a whole box in the cabinet. I could have gotten a Cheez-It if I wanted the Cheez-It. And she grabbed it and she just went, here, Papa. And I grabbed it. I go, thanks, sweetie. And we went, cheers, dinked them together, and we popped in her mouth. And I want you to know the heart of a father. I don't know what came over me, but the moment that she so freely gave what I didn't need, but I asked for, I got up out of my chair. I walked up to the cabinet. I opened up the cabinet, and I dumped these cheeses. I said, baby, you have as much cheeses as you want. You can have as many as you want. Those are my cheeses. And you know what this reminds me of? God says, I will have a storehouse that I will even overflow you with blessings. I can tell you that God doesn't just have one box, my friend. No, 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 no. He doesn't have one box. I'm telling you, he's got a family-sized box. And he's walking over to your table, and he's saying, because you were faithful with little, God is a God of overflow, and he has more than enough. More than
than you could ever need. You were looking at two, thinking it was all you had. And God said, I wasn't asking the cheese it because I wanted it. I wanted to give something to you. And it was locked up because you didn't understand what biblical overflow really meant. Can I tell you, you have a God that has more than enough. There's some people in here today, I want you to stand to your feet. If you believe that you're called to make millions of dollars in this place, I want you to raise your hand. If you believe you're called to give millions of dollars in this place, I want you to lift up your hands. If you believe that you're called to give above and beyond in this house, substantially into the kingdom of God, I want you to lift up your hand today. I want to pray a prayer, prayer, blessing over the God's people today. And actually, we're going to do something different. Ah, oh, man, we're so pressed on time. I want you to come out of your seat. Just start coming, start coming up to the front. We'll pray. We'll pray. We'll pray. Keep coming. It's just a response. It'll be short. It'll be sweet. But it'll be impactful. This is a declaration that you're making today. God, use these hands. Use these people. If you can't get all the way to the front, just get the hallway spread out in the front. We're going to pray. We're going to go into a quick verse. Jesus, you can do that, right? All right, lift up your hands today. Let me pray over you. Heavenly Father, we pray right now that we would have a kingdom perspective of biblical overflow. God, we repent from our ideas that we didn't have more than enough. We serve a God that has more than enough. God, I pray that you would help us to live with open hands, God, that we would not look at just what we have, but we can look at what we can give. God, that we can be the response to someone's prayer. We can walk around with $100, $1,000. Someone in need that needs a new car, guess what? I can buy him a new car. Someone that needs a place to live, guess what? I can pay for your rent. And yeah, they may not have been wise stewards. Maybe you have to meet them halfway. Maybe you have to meet them with a financial plan, but we are also called to be a blessing. So God, I pray for your church. Your church, God, I pray right now that there would be a great transfer of wealth from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. God, that you would help us as your church to be faithful stewards. Bless them, anointing to make millions, anointing to make hundreds of thousands and tens of millions, hundreds of millions and billions of dollars in this place, God. We are your church. We are called to carry the blessing of Christ in and throughout this world, Lord. I pray that you would help us anoint the works of our hands today god that we would be able to be blessed to be a blessing lord anoint their hands for good works bless their businesses bless their hands may they prosper in all seasons not even just in recessions god and also good times as well lord we thank you come on would you lift up your voice say i trust you Thanks for listening to our podcast. If this message encouraged you, help us get the word out. Consider sharing it with a friend, rating, or subscribing. If you want to know more about our church, check out our website at mycitychurch.cc or our Instagram at mycitycentral. We look forward to sharing another encouraging word with you next week. God bless.